Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Eric Devin and Jeremy Smith. Back on your TV screens and bustling with excitement. Liga is off to a flyer, but who's shouting that from the rooftops? And who maybe wishes they had stayed a little bit more quiet? Uh, all of that and more after your latest headlines. Lyon suffered their first defeat of the season on Friday night as promoted side Rans made it two 1-0 wins out of two games. Pablo Chavaria gave the Champagne Club a win which sees them sit in fourth in the table. On Saturday, Kylian Mbappe returned with a brace as his goals helped Paris Saint-Germain come from behind to beat Gangomp. New signing Nolan Roux gave the hosts the lead before Neymar pegged them back from the spot, with a World Cup winner reminding everyone of his extreme talents in the final moments. In the multiplex, Monaco dropped their first points of the season against Lille with a goalless draw as Patrick Vieira's niece picked up their first points of the season with a one-all draw against Colm. Montpellier grabbed their first win of the new campaign with a 2-1 win over at Amiens. Uh, Rennes also notched their first three points with a late Ismail Sarr goal sealing a 1-0 victory, while entertainers Dijon showed that they are again going to be strong at home with a 2-0 victory over Nantes. In Sunday's fixtures, Saint-Etienne managed to earn a point at Strasbourg despite going down to 10 men early with Maktar Guy, uh, making it 1-1 late on. Bordeaux's miserable week was compounded after, obviously, Gus Poyer's dismissal and players refusing to start training on Friday because of the Uruguayans' um, dismissal at the club. Uh, they then dropped to a 2-1 defeat to Toulouse. In the late match, Neem proved that lead sides are on fire at the moment as they put three past Marseille in a 3-1 win. Denis Boanga, Sada Tube, and Renaud Ripa scored for the host with Florian Tovan doing a delightful chip in consolation for Loem. Um, with them now, well, the Le Crocodile sitting in third. And that's all for now. But for all the latest, head on over to our website at www.not-that-many-w's-but-3w's-get-for-more-news-france.com <laughs> and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with the big news coming out of the south of France, at least in Bordeaux, have sacked Gus Poyer. all stems from the press conference after the Europa League victory. Um, well, over two legs, at least, anyway, in, in on a Thursday night where he went on a what can be as I said as a bit of a rant over the sale of Gaetan Laborde and I know Jez we discussed it on, on Thursday but I'll come to you first on this Eric after that the board decided that they'd had enough of the Uruguayan and have sacked him the players sort of refused to do training for about an hour before eventually being coerced that they might need to put some practice in before this game at the weekend but it's all a bit of a mess at Le Girondin at the moment isn't it? Yeah, it's frustrating to see. I think that, you know, even with this looming investment for Bordeaux, I think that this team, prior to the moves they'd made this summer, looked really well positioned to to make an impact in the game. I think that the money that they had that they had coming in from Malcolm, they, they you know, they turned uh, something in the neighborhood of a 30 million uh, euro profit on him. And they look well positioned to bring players in, but instead we've not really seen that. We saw Palencia coming on loan from Barcelona. And there is the, the now the imminent signing of the, the Fluminense striker Pedro, who looks to be a really exciting prospect at 21. 
but that remains to be seen. I think the frustration that Gus Poye is showing in the situation, the sale of the board, and again, you, you all had mentioned in the preview show on Thursday that, well, you know, he's not really being used uh, that much by Poye, but I think it's still the functionality of this, that the fact that Bordeaux are involved in two competitions and, and bearing that in mind, Poye is going to need the players to rotate if he wants to keep this team continuing to push into the top six as their talent befits. I mean, there's a lot of exciting young talent about this team. Uh, the chances that he's given to the likes of Kunde, uh, Zaidu Youssef, uh, Ariane Jumini, um, even Francois Kamano has been with the team a couple of years, but I think has continued to improve. Uh, and uh, the young winger uh, Kalu, the Nigerian that they, that they had signed, uh, ironically enough, from Ghent, uh, he looked really bright today, for example, looking looking at the Garon Derby. Uh, so there's a, there's certainly a lot of expectations, a lot of potential for Bordeaux, but I think it all now remains to be seen. If you have uh, Thierry Henry come in, as, as, as some have mooted, that could be very interesting. But again, he's a manager with very little experience. How is he going to respond to developing these young players and giving, and giving these young players chances? I think that's the thing that we look at the league on being a young man's league, if you will. We, we see so many talents coming through its young age. Bordeaux looked to be mirroring that this year, with uh, particularly with those four players that I mentioned. And I think that that Poya's willingness to trust them looked to be paying good dividends early on. I mean, the good, solid progress in the Europa League. They were convincing uh, three, throughout each of those first two rounds. The loss against Strasbourg, yeah, that was frustrating, but we know how how PSG and Leon, you know, remember from last season, how well Strasbourg can play on the counter and to play that entire match against a team of that style with 10 men, you know, that, that's certainly easy enough to shake off. So uh, looking at this, I think that, you know, I mean, Poye needs to have a sense of propriety in terms of how he's speaking out about this. But at the same time, what he's saying is absolutely correct. He really improved this team after coming on. He looked to have them playing the right way and to be giving these youngsters a chance to develop and, and to develop into real stars. And I, I think there's every reason to be excited about this team, but the lack of action from the board in terms of bringing players in and their lack of patience with, uh, with Poye, I, I think really puts a downer on this. I think that, you know, Bordeaux, given the size of their stadium and given what they've achieved in the past decade, I know, you know, that Champions League success is further and further away, but still, I think that the more strong teams that Ligue 1 has, I think the more that you know we can look at this league as being of, of having strength and depth, and having it's and showing you know outsiders, those of us who are not as in, as involved in this league and in depth as as we are, that you know there is more to this league than the the usual quartet of, of Monaco, Marseille, and PSG and Lyon. So uh, just a really disappointing turn of events because I, I feel like this is a place where. You know, we can allude to this a little bit more, but where Poye had really, I think, found his level and 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 had a good good eye for developing these young players. And you know, I know they played today, but it's still not it's still not where it needs to be. Uh, and and how this team develops going forward, it could really stunt their development if uh, the appointment is not is not made to get the best out of them. It's a strange one, really, just because Bordeaux obviously have a talented squad, but at the same time, Gus Poirier sort of muted that he he was willing to sort sort of jump if needs be. But it, in the end, the board decided to push him instead. Were they sort of left in a situation where they had to get rid of him, given the the sort of explosiveness of that press conference <laughs> after the game? Were they sort of given no option where they had to show their authority and, and sack the Uruguayan? Uh, 
Yeah, I think so. I think um, Stefan Martin's comments in the press conference um, the, the next day um, probably spoke volumes. And um, I think yeah, you have to look at all of this a little bit. I know I've alluded to it before, but you have to look at it a bit in the context of, of Poyet's history as a manager. And you know, I, I can certainly speak of it um, from relatively close hand being a Brighton fan and, and what happened there where he was a fantastic manager and got us playing brilliant football and got us promoted. But it did get to a point where his ego was kind of overshadowing everything. Um, he announced to the squad that he was going to leave just before a playoff semi-final against their biggest rivals. He, um, straight after the match, um, basically questioned all the owners and, and their ambition when they'd given him a hell of a lot of money to spend um, over the last couple of years. So this isn't sort of new territory for him. And while I, I totally agree with Eric that, you know, they, he'd been doing well for the most part last season. I think he sort of started well and finished well, and there was a bit of kind of wilderness in between. Um, and they certainly started well this year, and he's brought through some young players. There, there, there have been. Well, there was the Martin again alluded to the fact that um, you know the, the lack of action in the transfer market isn't entirely down to the owners. He kind of did say that Poyet sort of drags things out. He ums and ahs about what he wants. And I think he said something like a drawn out deal is never a good deal. And interestingly, he said, at least with Gulvenek, a decision was made quickly one way or the other. Um, I've heard somewhere else as well that Poyet was given a, a list of sort of 10 suggested names of, of people that could be brought in and he, he sort of didn't, didn't want to even um, consider any of them. So again, like Eric said, there's certainly fault on, on the owner's side. They certainly haven't done enough in the transfer market, whether it's because of lack of funds. Um, I don't know how much of the Malcolm funds really could have been used for transfers, whether it's because they still don't know exactly what's happening with the takeover. Either way, I think there's, oh, Poyet has proved that there's enough at least to be getting on with. And the the rant that he had, I think, well, I think he did overstep the mark. I don't think he needed to go as far as he did. Um, and I do wonder if he knew exactly what he was doing, either that he wanted out or that, you know, it was a real poker game. Um, and, as as Martin said, he's you know he want, he clearly wants to be the boss of the club. That's not going to happen. Um, and you know if they if they let him stay, then that's probably they're basically saying yeah you know we're you're you're even able to sort of override us. Um, on Friday there was lots in the French press saying you know it's it's because Poyet's used to that kind of power because that's the kind of power that managers in England have. I'm not even sure that's entirely true anymore. So. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's the usual everyone involved in Ligue 1 looking at Premier League with rose-tinted specs or what, but I think he, he went too far on, on Thursday night, especially following a win, which made it all the more bizarre. I suppose he must have thought it puts him in a position of power, but um, I, I don't think Martin had much choice but to react. It sort of left them in a corner, didn't it, really? And it, The thing is now as well, uh, Eric, that it leaves the club in a slightly strange position, really. There's a takeover that sort of 
going through, but exceedingly slowly, given the, the time frame, especially on the on the transfer window ticking by. And there's names in the hat. Thierry Henry seems like the one that's been linked the most. But again, maybe that one feels like a li- at least a little bit of a risk, given the, the profile of the club. Although I'm sure um, the Frenchman might jump at the chance of going to, to such a big club if it is offered to him. Where does it really leave um, Le Girondin this season? I mean, if they get the right man, can they sort of stabilise or, or do you slightly worry that this may be one of those factors where we have similar situations we had with, with Lille last season where they sort of plummet from a from a, a, a situation where which is out of their hands from sort of the boardroom perspective? I don't think that they're going to be in any relegation danger. I think that, but I do think, again, like I said, there's so many promising young players in this team. Again, you know, Kunde, Kalu looks, again, really bright. If for people who didn't see the Garon Derby today, uh, Porto were pretty poor. They were better after Jimmy Briand was introduced. But uh, Samuel Kalu, young Nigerian winger, really wanted to watch this season. And we also mentioned the two midfielders, Chouameni and, and Yusuf. So there's a lot There's a lot to look look at this team and say, you know, this is potentially a, a very interesting young spine. And the signing of Pedro from Fluminense, he's a, he's a player who uh, has scored at a very, very high rate in Brazil. Um, decently physical, uh, and I think could, could be a good focal point to that that team's attack. You know, much the way that Gaetan Laborde had been at his best, uh, and this is going back to the, the back end of the 2016-2017 season, as Bordeaux really made a push for Europe at that point in time, uh, to be a, a physical focal point, but, but also someone who could contribute goals as well. So I think that it, it would be hard for me to see Bordeaux really sinking to the depths that, that Lille did, uh, given how poor their first half of the season was last year, I think that you've got enough proven performers here you, beyond those young players. I think I think Francois Camino has generally become a, a, an above-average league player. You've got Benoit Castile, uh, Yusuf Sabali once he's back fit, Maxime Punje. There's a lot of decent players in this team, but uh, it's I think for me it's not it's not a matter of relegation for Bordeaux. I think it's a matter of what could have been? Um, I think that well, we'll get on to Marseille. Uh, you know, maybe their their uh, defensive situation might be uh, considerably worse than it was last year, uh, and that there might be you know a chance to push on for either they or Ren uh, in terms of actually being a legitimate contender for that for that top three. And I think at the beginning of the season, looking at looking at Bordeaux and how young those players are. They could have, they they could still be, but I think that under Poye, they could have been really one of those ones pushing, uh, pushing that top three. Um, I know that might sound overly optimistic given how their season started, but I think there's also, pardon me, certainly mitigating uh, circumstances within those first two losses. And I, I want to reflect again on the Europa League. I, I think that we shouldn't forget that in each of the past five, six, maybe more than that, set more than that seasons, there's been a French team that's been dumped out of Europe really unceremoniously in a really embarrassing fashion. Last year it was Bordeaux. A couple years ago it was Lille. I, I can't stress enough how impressive it was that Poye got this team on the same page, incorporating these young players, even dealing with the, the loss of Malcolm. Like, yes, he's frustrating to work with. Yes, he has a big ego. But the organization, the determination, the focus that he had this team with which he had this team playing, it shouldn't be undersold. And I think that even a good appointment is going to take time to suss this team out. Is Zerosa Palacio still worthy of a place? So what about these 
the, the two Brazilians that were brought in last year and seem to be a persona non grata, Otavio and Jonathan Capu. I think that there's a lot this team needs worked out and, and any new manager coming in is going to take time to do this. And I think that that could really put Bordeaux off the boil, especially with this playoff um, uh, draw coming up against Gen. So it's frustrating to see this team potentially be dumped out of Europe, potentially already slip away in the league. So from that perspective, I'm, 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 I'm frustrated. But again, no needs must. No manager is bigger than a club, even if your name is Arsene Wenger. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, I have to agree it's, it's the right decision. They, they were put in a corner. But it's, again, it's frustrating to see, given what this team could be, could be and potentially still could be this season. It always feels like it could be for, for Bordeaux for the last couple of years, to be fair. It, it, it sort of rings true of sort of Ren and other clubs as well. But moving sort of a, a little bit forward on the, this one, Jez, I mean, the result today wasn't great, but um, who do you think should be coming into the club? Do you think they should be taking a risk on someone like Thierry Henry, given that he's having a couple of glowing reviews, especially from um, the likes of Romelu Lukaku on his coaching skills? But um, is he the right man to take them forward, or maybe this should they go with a more experienced head? Uh, I think someone like Thierry Henry, there's two ways of looking at it. You know, if, if it if it means that much to the owners to to really be in charge, then someone in his first managerial role would be a kind of tempting prospect because they're they're possibly not going to be the type who's going to try to call the shots. But then on the other side, obviously, Henri is Henri with you know such a great history and pedigree as a player and certainly not not the smallest of egos either so there could be clashes there i don't i I mean i don't think bordeaux is kind of despite everything that's happened here i'm not sure it is the kind of club where there are generally big clashes between coaches and, and and owners it's not usually run like that so i don't think i think it would be a pretty brave step i think it would sort of follow the form of, of recent appointments, um, Vieira being the, the obvious most recent one of, you know, giving giving young coaches with, with a with a good background, a playing background, a chance. Um, it is only two matches into the season as well, so it's certainly not sort of panic stations yet. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be someone experienced who's going to really steady the ship because I don't, I really don't think it's a case of saying that, you know, the ship needs steadying, if you know what I mean, too, too, uh, too bad results. But, you know, today it's a derby away from home. It's not unusual to lose that. And there was you know, anybody of goal. It wasn't a horrific performance or anything like that. Um, so I, I really don't think they're in such a bad position. Um, there has been talk of, of Laurent Blanc, which I guess in a way would be the the sort of um, uh, reliable, safe decision. Although even then, you know, so many people say that Blanc is just a figurehead, and really it was Gasset who was who was the the brains behind it, and he's he's obviously very well settled at Saint Etienne. So I'm not sure that really that there, there's any obvious candidate. I think all have their merits, all have their drawbacks. I think for for Ligue's sake, for sort of the publicity. Um, I think Henri would be a really exciting appointment. Um, I think it would be it would be nice to see him given a chance and to see what he can do as a as a first team coach or first team manager. Um, but yeah, I, I, at this stage, I really don't think there's anyone that, that stands out. And I think it just depends what what the owners are looking at. Are they looking for sort of 
tried and tested and reliable or um do they fancy giving someone a little bit more exciting a go and you know maybe that's what Bordeaux needs a, a sort of shot in the arm which Poyet sort of potentially was able to do certainly for a few months but I, I mean I I think I'm on record as saying that I never expected it to last very long I didn't expect it to to end this quickly um yeah maybe someone else like that who can kind of just excite people but possibly on a slightly longer term basis um, maybe the way forward if you know if the fans are looking for for a bit more excitement then possibly Blanc isn't the one even though obviously he he does have credit at Bordeaux from, from winning the title with him it's going to be an interesting situation regardless but maybe don't quite hit the panic button yet Bordeaux fans it's a still a long season to go on to a, a return, really, and it's a, a welcome one to many, and that's Kylian Mbappe uh, after his rest at the World Cup came back this weekend to grab two goals in the 3 1 win for Paris Saint Germain at Gangomp. Uh, Eric, what did you think to the youngsters' performance? He obviously had an excellent World Cup where everyone was gently reminded of how good a player he has, and very quickly in the Liga season, just only sort of two games in, he gives us another reminder of how important not only he's becoming to, to Paris Saint-Germain, but on the world stages as a whole. Yeah, I think this is really interesting to see because Neymar had a fantastic match. Let's, let's not deny that. He scored a penalty, had an assist. But I think that, uh, interestingly enough, I almost want to say that this team, without Cavani, with Mbappe and Neymar on the pitch, seem to have the right the right balance and attack and hmm, I, I I think that this is this is a very interesting thing to see I, I I think that it shows a that you know now that Neymar's had a season to play to play with Mbappe and he's seen what this player can do on the World Cup maybe just maybe we're going to see Neymar you know uh, Tuck his ego in just a little bit uh, and be more willing, as the situation dictates, I'm not saying every single match or every situation, to be less selfish. And that also Mbappe, if he's given more chances to play as a lead striker, will will do the same. I mean, I think that there were definitely matches last season. I remember Neymar being suspended, Neymar being injured. Uh, where Mbappe was leading the line, was the focal point, didn't do that well, tried to do too much himself. But I think that, you know, after the success he had with France and after Neymar saw the success he had with France, I think that there is, there seems to be a lot more of an, of an understanding with, with these with these players. I know Mbappe only played uh, played half the match, but I think that, you know, n- Neymar couldn't have been ignoring how France played this summer. And I think that he, you know, perhaps is realizing that his, his dreams of, of, you know, outshining the likes of Messi or Ronaldo might not be able to come to fruition, but maybe more importantly than that, that he could actually do something with his PSG team that they've been struggling to do for eight years and make a real impact in the Champions League. I think that now you've got, again, don't get me wrong, PSG are still extremely flawed. They need a left back. They need a defensive midfielder. But 
there's a lot to be said about this team going forward that that what we're seeing here are the green shoots of, of an understanding uh, with these players that I, I think can be, you know, now that we, we've had some some shifts at Real Madrid and shifts at Barcelona with the departure of Iniesta, I don't know that there's necessarily a clear favor for the Champions League this year. But if PSG can can look at Mbappe as being more, much more of a focal point and not just an alternate to Neymar when, he, when the Brazilian's unavailable, I, I think that this is really the beginning of what could be a very fruitful fruitful relationship between um, uh, um, between these players these two players Neymar and Mbappe uh, seeing each other as equals and and playing and playing that out on the pitch as well I mean Neymar putting his ego aside would we ever have seen the day but I think Eric makes an interesting point relatively speaking yeah relatively speaking. <laughs> I know he can't house him forever I don't think I don't think he's quite that kind of man um, but Eric makes a very good point I want to sort of go on Jess that um, Mbappe obviously coming back he's a great news had a great um, cameo as well grabbing two goals is always nice to see and, and how he's sort of grown in the sort of even in the last sort of six to eight months really of him sort of finding his feet at, at, at international level as well and, and sort of growing into the Paris Saint-Germain team as he had that sort of stutter at the very start of the year where many people were questioning whether he should be starting but now as Eric mentioned that it presents the question of maybe is this Paris Saint-Germain team better with without Cavani I know we had the, the conversation last season of are they better without Neymar but is maybe the Uruguayan becoming the one surplus to requirements uh I think it's a bit early to say that I mean you have to remember last year I think um obviously PSG are going to lead most of these these sort of charts but um Neymar to Cavani was the the most prolific sort of assist to striker combination in in Liga um closely followed by Dosavi Tarou at mess I obviously had to get that in but um you know you can't sort of dismiss Cavani straight away and um Mbappe and, and Neymar again also combined well last year um there were times where the three of them together didn't and certainly in Champions League they, they were found wanting so there's certainly stuff that needs to be worked on there and you know certainly Mbappe's appearance on on Saturday shows as if we didn't know that he's he's equally effective down the middle as he is um on the right or on either flank actually um so you know Tuchel will be pleased to see that there's combinations there he'll be pleased that um should Cavani lose form or get injured or anything there's there's certainly nothing to worry about there I'm pretty sure that most managers in the world wouldn't worry about having to make a choice between any combination of those three anyway I think what will be interesting now is to see the the dynamic between Neymar and Mbappe. Um, I mean, Eric, Eric said, you know, Neymar had a, a goal and an assist on on Saturday, but frankly, I thought he was the whole team was. It wasn't just him, but I thought he was pretty poor first half. And, and Mbappe coming on changed everything. Um, it was a brilliant piece of skill by Neymar to win the penalty that he scored, but it was Mbappe who, who sort of was central to, to that move in the first place, and then two great finishes from Mbappe, the second in particular. So, um, you know, he, he is the one that really, I think he will take over from Neymar as the one who really excites um, not just the PSG fans, away fans as well. Certainly he'll obviously be, be more loved in other stadia around France than the Neymar ever ever was or will be, um, for the obvious reasons that he's French, he's a World Cup winner, and I was going to say he doesn't dive around as 
as much as Neymar. I mean, there, there certainly are hints that he's he's sort of learning quite a lot from him. Um, but that's that's the dynamic to watch out for because you know, as, as Eric alluded to, and as everyone has, has said, Neymar moved to PSG because he'd had enough of being in Messi's shadow, which I think he was entitled to do, and I think he was quite right in that. I can't remember if it was the the PSG match, the six-one, where there's their famous photo of Messi in the crowd after it was Neymar who pretty pretty much single-handedly won that that tie for for Barcelona. So you can certainly see why he wanted to move, but it wasn't meant to be like this. He was meant to be the undisputed king of Paris, and at at worst, Mbappe is seriously rivaling him. Uh, at best, he's he's well overtaken him, and whereas last year Mbappe did seem starstruck, he did constantly as soon as he got the ball, look up, look to where Neymar was, look to get it to Neymar, probably ignore Cavani more than he should have done. I'm not sure that he he certainly shouldn't have been doing that anyway. And this season, I'm not sure that he will do. Um, you know, as much as anyone else, I love Mbappe as a footballer. I love his sensible interviews and things. I do think there's a little bit of an ego there, which people need to keep an eye on a little. But that could be good for him in the PSG setup with Neymar as a as, as a big ego next to him. And I think if Tuchel can can harness it well, and if, as Eric said, Neymar can sort of wind his neck in a little, then if they play as equals, I think it could be frightening together if not if either of them get a little bit too big for their boots then there could be problems there as well but certainly the 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 potential for the two of them if they're playing at their best if they're sort of not playing silly buggers and just trying to to grab all the headlines each time it just it could be fantastic i mean obviously in league they're going to walk it anyway you'd assume but in europe as well I thought it was interesting, actually, and just noticed that looking at his timeline that um, Mbappe has suddenly started tweeting in English, which also makes me wonder if he's sort of starting to think much bigger term, more sort of superstar level um, on a PR side as well. No, 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 never not to be clever to, to market yourself, at least anyway, with it uh, must be looking at Neymar doing the, the Deli Alley slash Jesse Lingard sort of hand trick as well and bits like that. <laughs> All that marketing does help. But let's sort of very quickly, Eric, sort of focus on the game at least at hand. That It's a good win for Paris Saint-Germain, although they had to come from behind in it. Also, at the same time, a little bit unlucky for Gangon, a second that was ruled out because of uh, sort of a negligible foul in the build-up of it. Whether VAR is built for that, we, it's a bit questionable at least. But um, a good showing from the home side, at least, who, who always tend to do well against the big teams. Yeah, actually looking back, uh, in the previous six matches, uh, PSG only won twice at the Rudiru in all competitions, which is, you know, nothing to sneeze at. I think that's 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 impressive. Kambuare has this team... I think playing fairly well. I, th- I think that they are st- still trying to work things out uh, in midfield. I'm not really convinced by Ludovic Blas as part of a, a midfield two. Um, I think that they need two orthodox defensive midfielders there. Ideally, it's Dido and Doe. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Piri was hurt for this match, so he wasn't an option either. I think Doe was also unavailable. So I think sorting that out and maybe figuring out whether he wants to play this side as a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1 is, is going to help quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, I think that Gangamp, you know, a lot of these players, you look at Christophe Kerbra, 
there's still there's still even though it's been Comboria's team for a while now, I think I, I still think the feeling of this team is that it's still uh, the house that Jocelyn built. Jocelyn being Jocelyn Gorbanek, looking back at uh, this at that cup run that they had, there's still sort of that feeling to the way they approach play uh, that I think is 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 very much in the image of uh, of Gorbanek. I know his time since leaving Gang Up has not been that successful, but I think it's it's good to see. And I I don't know. I feel like there's there's more to come from this team, but when you've got so many players that are so inconsistent, it, it's it's hard to see them really hitting the heights that they can. I mean, there were a handful of matches last season uh, when when Benazé was on form and they put they could play second for the best of them. But then you have, you know, what's his injury record? How how long is he going to play? You know, Marcus Marcus Coco is this is you know one of the most frustrating young players in France. You know, he's got great pace. Um, and he's got, he can have great vision, but you know, is he going to ever look up? Is he ever going to pass? There's just too many elements to this team that are too, too frustrating that, and I think that the fact that they played so well in that first half and then didn't in the second is pretty indicative of what we can expect from this season, you know, 11th, 12th, 10th, somewhere in that neighborhood, you know, they'll, they'll pull off the odd odd surprise result, but I don't think that they're going to be. Uh, achieving any level of consistency and, and, and pushing for that those European places. Mm. But good to see them always uh, put up a fight against Paris Saint-Germain. We don't want them to walk the league at all anyway and then have a good stern test. We'll stand them in good stead as well for, for Gangon heading into what well, if they have a, one of those slips of forms, you do worry about them a little bit with their inconsistencies, but they definitely have the talent there as they showed in that one. And two teams that have can shown... I, can I just Jesse, yeah, go ahead. I actually thought that the the second goal that was was ruled out was probably the right decision, but and I think it was at two one. I can't remember. It was either one all or two one. I thought they had a stonewall penalty not given, and I don't even I don't understand why it didn't go to VAR. I thought they were really unlucky on that. I thought Meunier clearly pushed. I can't remember who, but one of Gangon's attackers over. Hmm. It's sort of the balancing act of VAR at the moment. I think we sort of maybe mentioned it a couple of times in the in the other two games. Well, the game tonight they had a, a couple of shouts of bits like that, and that's the game we want to move on to at least because the the two teams we want to talk about the two promoted sides from Ligue 2, uh, Ras and, and Nîmes got superb results this weekend, beating teams that um or at least fighting for Champions League football in in Lyon and Marseille. Let's start with the game tonight at least, Jez, where Nîmes showed how brilliant they are to watch again. I know Adam told us all to, to keep an eye on him and he thought I would be a big fan and I absolutely am after tonight because they were tremendous at beating Marseille 3-1. It was a terrific game, really. They, they absolutely went for it from the from the kickoff and, and gave Marseille no quarter. It's great to see a promoted side do that in, in France where sometimes we don't really get teams that being so um, adventurous. It's great to see. I, I think there has been over the last few years, a, a deserved probably reputation for, for French coaches or coaches of French teams being a little too cautious, particularly away from home or against the bigger teams. Um, I, I think that that reputation is still lingering, but I think it's a bit unfair. Um, you know, if you just look at, for example, the average goals per game, it's gone up progressively, I think, the last five years. And I think last year, Ligue 1 was second only to the Bundesliga. And it's, I think it's teams like, you know, we, we talked about Dijon, for example, last year, but teams like you can see now already that Nîmes are certainly going to be a team who 
are not going to, I don't think they're going to sort of ever set out their stall just to sort of try to get a nil-nil, whether it's away from home or against one of the top teams. And they really went for it today. They kept going for it, even, um, you know, they, 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 they took the lead early on, um, well, relatively early on. And then early in the second half, the fact that they were going for it again and sort of committed so many players up front for, for a free kick, it, it, in that sense, led to it, led to a bit of a, 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 a temporary downfall for them because it was, it was a fantastic break by Marseille and, um, a, a superb finish by Tovan, a really lovely chip. But again, at that point, you might have thought, well, Nîmes will settle, settle for the draw there, but they kept going for it and then they hit Marseille fantastically on the break as well. And again, they didn't settle. You know, they didn't shut up shop and try to try to keep it to two one. They 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 kept going for it and and you know came away with a, a deserved three one win. And you can certainly put a bit of blame on on Marseille, who didn't have their best match and, and looked very poor defensively. But um, you know that that you've got to you've got to hand it to to Nîmes who were not overawed at all. It's you know this this their first home match in in league for twenty five years. Only that this second match have just come back and um you know no caution just absolutely went for it entertained their fans and you know absolutely deserved the deserved the result that they got just for the the sort of courage and bravado that they showed yeah and it was it was short of so yeah. oh, go ahead eric the, the other thing i wanted to say too is that we talked so much about this team last year as being uh, that partnership of Bozok and Aliui. Aliui's out to 2019. Bernard Blackgar uh, announced that this week. His, he's no closer to being ready to play. So what we saw tonight, and they, they also brought in uh, Denis Boanga from, from Lorient and, uh, to replace Romain De Castillo, who had, De Castillo, who had left um, on loan. But what we were seeing tonight, I think, for me, the two stars, and I, I think looking back at this match, uh, it looked to be Ripar, who you know is not a player who was expected to play much of a part, uh, and and Saratyub, again the same thing. These aren't players that we had necessarily expected a whole lot from. They weren't the names that would catch the eye in, in looking over league de match reports last year. So I think that we'd I know we had expressed concern um, in, in the written the written preview guide as well that. Neem, we're going to necessarily have, have to deal with a lack of depth, perhaps. I mean, the players that they're bringing in, Baptiste Guillaume, it's been in and around Ligue 1 for quite a while now and hasn't really ever shown, but even he looked good off the bench, uh, you know, playing some decent hold-up play. And I think that, you know, with Aliyui still to come back, I think I think there's a lot to, to be said to be said for this team. Um, Pacquiao's um, coming in for Florian Miguel at left-back as well, again, a player with out really a lot of experience uh, i think that i think that this is really sustainable for neem I, I think that black has this side playing with the coherence and playing with it with the team ages that i i think is really sustainable i think yeah marseille were absolutely awful coletta car i mean talk about a team you forget uh he was really bullied by repar all, all evening long and i think that but still, I mean, this is Marseille. This is a team with designs on the Champions League, a team that, you know, that are 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 well balanced and and we're in first place. Um, you know, there was even a, a a bit of a bit of stuff on social media that Neem were concerned that the 
the attendance at the stadium would be too many Marseille fans, either, both locally and making the trip. The two teams are very close, to, fairly close to each other on the south coast of France. I mean, that wasn't the case. The, the crowd were pumped up for this, and they showed that the injury issues and suspension issues they had, you know, were to be no, no, no real issue. And you know, Paul Bernardoni played another decent match. I, I think that his his development shouldn't be under so either. I think he's a really canny sign from Bordeaux on loan. I, I think that, yeah, I don't, I don't think that we're going to continue to see this team leading the league and goals scored, but I think that they can continue to play entertaining football. And, and this is something that we haven't really seen. I and mean, we've seen going back a couple of years, Angers sustain a push in, in the top half of the table for, you know, going into the second half of the season, but not playing this sort of expansive sort of football that we're seeing with it, with an actual four, four, two. Uh, under Neem, and I think that's something we should we should really embrace because it, it's it's exceptionally rare. I mean, the Blackpool comparison has been made. I, I've seen that in a, in a, in a couple of places uh, to when they came up in was that 2011-12 or 2010-2011 in, in the Premiership. But we don't see that all that that often from promoted teams. To to I mean, okay, maybe we saw that with Monaco, but I mean that's obviously mitigating circumstances a few years ago. Uh, them coming back up, but we should really embrace this and and, and have this be. As just really said, part of a general trend towards attacking football in Liga. Hmm. It, what I wanted to add to to the sort of point that the Jez made of the sort of um, rambunctious nature really of Neem is that it was personified in those two goals that uh, that eventually won them the game. Really, the the run from Buanga where it sort of collides off him a little bit and Tube just got that lovely little goal. Really, a lovely little touch around Mandanda's before slotting it away, and then uh, Rinar's goal as well. It, it, he just hustled and bustled. He sort of barged his way past Amavi, shoved off Coletta Car, and, and, and finished nicely. But one player I wanted to talk about really, Jez, in this one is the one who sort of set up, if you like, the second goal and, and grabbed the first, Dennis Boanga, who they've brought from Lorient, um, was looked at by a couple of Ligue 1 teams, really, and it was seen sort of a coup that he did end up with the newly promoted side at Le Crocodile, when he, he really was terrific last night, and well, tonight, sorry, and he could be a, a real signing for them, can't he? I, yeah, I mean, it looks like a, a real coup there. He was, you know, he was, I think, probably one of, if not the best L'Oreal player last year. And, you know, they, they managed to keep up a bit of a promotion push all season and just, just fell short in the end. Um, but he's, you know, he's a class act and set the tone with, with the first goal sort of, again, Sakai didn't cover himself in glory, but you know, he, he's the one who sort of harried him and, and sort of forced the mistake and really accomplished sort of Henri-like finish curled into the far post. He's the one who, who sort of, directed the the or led the the break for the second and yeah he's a he's a class act um as, again as eric said that ali's out bozok i don't know if it's uh struggling to adjust to to a new level it's, you know, it's tough to go up two divisions in in two years um or whether it's just that he's slightly unsettled with you know talk of possible transfers and salary rises and that kind of thing but until he finds his feet, um, they need to rely on, on, on the slightly more experienced players. And Buanga sort of relatively has, has I guess, more, more experience and, and ability than, than some of the others around him. And it's fantastic the way he sort of he's stepped up and has taken that responsibility. Yeah, it was frightening tonight for that poor Marseille team who, who will be really disappointed to 
to have got their first loss in this one, but um, lovely setting as well. I remember just before kickoff, as it was sort of very late dusk there in the, the South of France, it was a lovely setting for a, for a terrific game. And on to another team that would have been disappointed with the loss, but obviously Ras were delighted to get a victory, really rich. It was a bit more... Um, backs against the wall is maybe the bright way to say it's more of a pragmatic um, result for Rance than it was maybe for for Nîmes but for Lyon will they be a little bit disappointed in this one they they did dominate possession and play in the second half especially Rance really didn't really get a sniff out of it will they be disappointed that they couldn't provide more pressure and have more clear chances at goal at least anyway to, to get back into this one against Rance that they eventually lost um, I yeah, yes. Oh, so, sorry, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Eric. Yeah. yeah, no, no, go on, go on, Eric. Yeah, I mean, ha- having watched this on Friday night after I got home from work, uh, uh, it's not the best way to start my weekend. Uh, yeah, I, I think this just really, this really, I think, emphasized why some people are so frustrated with Bruno Genesio. And I know, and my stance on him varies from week to week, but I think that. It, more than what Genesio was, more than Genesio's shortcomings, I think this is the shortcomings of Jean Michel Olas. Um, I think that you look at the bench uh, with uh, the injury to Guiri, uh, there's no options for Genesio uh, off the bench. Cornet doesn't, doesn't come off, Terry doesn't come off, so he brings on Raphael as his third substitution in, the game in which he needs a goal. Uh, I mean, I what else does he have to do? Jordan Ferry, Pop Shake, that's that's not going to help. Um, he doesn't have a center back. Morel was at fault for the goal. Uh, again, there's the, there's rumors swirling. Jason Denier, uh, the, the pursuit for Ruben Diaz from Benfica might still be on, but I think that this team in uh, lacking Nabilfek here, you know, there's this team doesn't have the depth and, and the options that it needs uh, to, to win this sort of game. I mean, even the match last week against, against uh, sorry, Amiens, you know, it, it really, it was on a knife edge. It wasn't great football from Leon. They just kept the ball and, and, and played with sort of a blunt edge. I mean, Mariano doesn't look the player he, he is. He can be. Uh, the same with Memphis Depay. You know, maybe, maybe both these players are, distracted by potential moves. Uh, I know Mariano going back to Spain has been mooted. Uh, Memphis Depay has had a number of confusing comments about what he wants his future to be like, but it's an overall, it's overall a lack of focus. And I think that that's really frustrating to see because we saw, you know, Leon at their best last season absolutely sparkled. And I, I think that there's no reason that that can't continue to be the case. Uh, if, if the club can, can invest some, some money into making the squad have the depth and the depth it needs, both in attack now and in central defense. I think they can go with another defensive midfielder as well. I don't. I think Luca Tussart was actually one of the better players for, for uh, against Rennes on Friday. But you know it, how, how you can't he can't expect him to play fifty or sixty games if Leon either progress in the, in, in the Champions League or if they get drawn to the Europa League. I think as many would expect. I mean. It, it's just frustrating to see. I mean, honestly, for me, the other thing that stood out to me about this match is that if, if Roma Metzani had any ability to get forward with any consistency, uh, 
that Leon could have really been embarrassed. I think that Shizankona uh, had a sparkling match. He looks a real a real coup uh, for Rass playing there at left back. And I think that if this team had a little bit more balance to it, Leon would have Leon could have really been torn to ribbons. Um, so it was just a really frustrating uh, evening for evening for for the visitors. And I think that it really served to underscore the, the reinforcements that uh, Leon need to have. Guiri again, a knee injury. He's Rumored to be out for at least six months, so it's. I think it's a real lack of depth. I mean, you know, there's been a mooted offer for Maxwell Cornet for twenty million to go to Wolfsburg. You know, and you you look at the other players that are moving it around league uh, into Liga. Uh, we just mentioned Buwanga. I, you know, I I don't think that the mean, you know, are are up anywhere near the same financial stratosphere as as uh, as Leon, but. To see a player like that, who's a, a decent performer, who's still youngish at 24, has a lot to prove in terms of wanting to advance his career after a year in Ligue 2, you know, why can't Leon move for a player like that who's who's hungry and, and would want you know Champions League? I mean, obviously, perhaps the opportunity to start could be mitigating circumstance there, but the number of young attackers who are moving around in Ligue 1, and I know Martin Terry has come in and, and looked good in preseason, but gosh... I think that Leon honestly should should be to consider themselves lucky to be where they are in terms of the table, and that teams are going to cotton on to the way that Rass played against them, and I think they're going to see a, a lot more a lot more of this. I mean, it honestly, Rass. I mean, it's not it was nominally a four man backline, but Romao was playing so deep, and Conan and Matanier pushed on a little bit, and that's that's going to be something that teams are going to have no problem playing that way against Leon and. I think that they could be in for a lot more struggles and struggles this season, not in terms of getting points on a regular basis, but against these so-called easy teams. People have mentioned Leon had, had an easy start to the season at their first five matches. They also have matches coming up against the likes of Nice, who look pretty blunt themselves. Um, but I don't think that that's necessarily going to be the case if teams can set up well to play on the counter against them. Jess, do you want to make your point now? Uh, are the only reason... Yeah, I... Leon were not good enough on on Friday, and um, probably uh, on the uh, preview show on Thursday, we, none of us probably did did house enough justice. Um, and I agree with some of the points Eric made. I agree that they haven't particularly strengthened overall, and central defence is certainly a problem. But you know, you look at the the the. the uh, that's an issue, I think, over the course of the season and in Europe, maybe. But in a one-off match, second match of the season against a newly promoted team, you look at the two teams that, that were fielded, That to me, that that's not enough of an excuse. I just think Lyon were not good enough. Um, Reims did what they needed to do well, but I don't, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like the Alamo and they were defending for their lives. Lyon just didn't do enough going forwards, didn't produce enough sort of football, um, you know, d decent moves. There, there wasn't enough coherence between the players. And um, it's not it's not unheard of, whether it's Genesio's fault or the players' fault, I don't know. But this is, Lyon have always done this. We talked last year, you know, they, they ended up getting that, that European spot. But um, they did it by virtue of, turning up in the very big matches when they needed to, but often going going missing in the matches where you'd expect them to get something. Whereas sort of by contrast, Marseille 
would get the the results that you'd expect them to every single time, but then do nothing in the in the big matches. If Lyon are going to keep doing that this year, that's all very well, but it's a hell of a dangerous game to play. And okay, in a you know against a, a newly promoted team, their their first match back at home, it's not going to be the easiest atmosphere to play in. But a team that's sort of um, you know aspiring to Champions League and, and more than that, you know from most predictions. I think most people were saying should be finishing second and should be even possibly giving PSG a scare. These are the kind of matches that that they need to win to make a statement and to to keep that um, keep that challenge up. And um, yeah, of course, strength and depth is an issue. And you know, I sent a tweet out just before we started that the the top four PSG, Lyon, Marseille, and Monaco were all awful. I thought in the first half. And the difference between the three teams who drew or lost and the team that won was someone called Kylian Mbappe. Obviously, you can't you can't all legislate for that, or you know the other three teams can't compete with that whatsoever. But Lyon have enough that they should be beating um, Reims, or you know certainly should be reacting better than they did. And yeah, their second half was better than their first, but it still wasn't enough. Yeah, they really struggled to create. I thought I thought that Rance's defending was good, though. I thought Mendy was good in goal and, and dealt with as much as he could. I thought Ramal was, was good as well as Moussa Dubia tracked back well and, and worked hard, was was an outlet for them when they wanted to. He sort of grew into the game as well. It's really, really terrific stuff from the team. And great to see two league deux sides. Uh, one really attacking, really determined to, to show that they've got some guts. So, and then another team that knows how to defend now has how to be solid. Two good clean sheets against two decent sides will give you the world of confidence to build on. And uh, great for Rance after losing uh, two attacking players that really would have made a difference this season um, and probably will do for their, their other sides when they're given the chances to as well. Um, be real real boost for them and their confidence going forward. Uh, let's finish off tonight with uh, one of my favourite sections, at least. I hope it is at yours at home. And that's our League uh, Snapshots. I'll start with yourself, Eric. What would be your League Snapshot? The bit that we've maybe missed off the show tonight that, that viewers at home need to hear. I think uh, I think the way that Toulouse played today. I, I think that we talked about Bordeaux and, and their woeful form. And I, I had been cautiously positive that Toulouse would be at least comfortably, comfortably mid-table this season. And I think that we were beginning to see flashes of how that team could improve. There were still some wrecks in defense. I still think Yasiaga Silla should be playing ahead of Francois Mubanje at left back. Again, I'm not Alan Casanova. I don't know why that's happening. But uh, some really lovely bits of skill there from, from Matthew Dosevi and uh, Aaron Leia for the goals. Uh, Max Allen Gardel had another strong, strong match as well. I think that, you know, there's probably more to come from Manu Garcia, the attacking midfielder there, but. I think that uh, I think there's a lot a lot of positives for Toulouse from take Toulouse to take to that match. I, I think they're a much better side than what we had seen last Friday against Marseille, and that that you know I'm not saying they're going to challenge for the Europa League, but I think that there's going to be there's going to be some good reasons to watch this team. I think that Casanova is going to continue to build at the back. Baptiste Rene is an excellent keeper, and that that front four can really really start to impress. And I, I think that. It'll be nice to see a team with the reputation and history of Toulouse not having to result in negative football and playing uh, playing poorly in a relegation scrap for a change. 
Jez, what's your Liga snapshot? Um, I'm afraid I'm going to be a little bit Met-centric again. But <laughs> four of the scorers this week, there was Dossavi who recovered from a, a horrific miss to, to score to lose his winner. There was uh, Nolan Rue scored for for Gangon against PSG. And there was um, Ismail Assar and, and from Mollet who both scored fantastic goals last night for, for Ren and Montpellier, respectively. Um, Saar wasn't there last season, but the other three were. And there were quite a few Mets fans on Twitter just lamenting how the hell that team got relegated so pathetically last year with you know, what actually is quite a talent was quite a talented certainly forward line um so yeah i'm assuming there's going to be quite a few more painful moments like that for me this season <laughs> yeah i think maybe the fact that there's not many defenders getting celebrated for their games yeah, in the week exactly. after <laughs> maybe the reason why at least anyway for those cheeky ones um my uh, league and snapshot goes to the current top scorer on league uh, after two games and that's Julio Tavares, um, Dijon again winning their first home game as much as they did last season. It's not that surprising that they again prevail there, but against the plucky Nantes side, it was good to see them get another win that keeps them fighting at the top of the table. There's two league der sides and Paris Saint-Germain. Terrific result. Tavares has always been a little bit underrated in Dijon, it feels. I feel like I'm talking about him constantly, at least anyway, but when Lois Dioni was there last uh, couple of seasons ago obviously he was sort of in the background last season with the sort of raise, rise of, of Sleety and others around him at least sort of grabbing goals as well here left right and centre um, I'm thinking of Quan Chan Hoon as well um, he still maybe was in the background even though he was scoring the goals as well as Wesley Saeed having a great season but Tavares reliable league and goal scorer and is terrific in this Dijon team he just adds something he's a great hold up player grabs the goals when they need him to and uh, he really does um, add something extra to a side that I was a little bit worried about at the start of the season, but they are, again, much like some other teams in Liga, proving me wrong and that maybe um, Olivier Delalio is doing a much, much better job than I should have already given credit for, but um, he's been a terrific start for the season for them. Uh, that's all that we have for this week. My thanks to Eric, Jez, and all of you listening at home. Do join us for the preview show on Thursday and the main show will be back at the same time, same place next week. Abianto and goodbye.